kind of playing a character that mirrors his own situation of, as being a great grandson of an oil tycoon. Well, he is the nephew of newspaper tycoon. Uh, actually, I think they got their, uh, the Greeley's got their money originally from railroad though, from the right. railroad. But it seems kind of crazy that he's playing somebody who is basically himself. And I saw in an article, he says, this is a quote from him, you know, I'm really naive. I went into it and I didn't even think, well, this is about a rich family. It didn't even occur to me until like a couple of weeks into shooting the plot. Then I was like, oh no, shit. And so, so he was like, he, he, he accepted the job without actually even knowing what he was going to do. That's in so series. typical of like the so, character he plays too. Do you know what uncancelled means? Have you ever thought about what happened to those TV shows that were advertised every single week until their plug was ultimately pulled? Well, we have. Welcome to the show that's bringing that TV back from the grave. We review pilot and finale episodes of television series that disappeared as quickly as they debuted. Maybe we will like the show enough to want to bring life back into its corpse, or maybe it's better left dead. Will we leave it in the trash, or will we give it a second pass? Either way, this is uncancelled, giving trash TV the chance it never deserved. week on our Patreon, we have the failed Will Arnett series Running Wild and the Netflix original series The Break with Michelle Wolf. Both are available weeks before they'll be released to the public. Visit patreon.com slash uncancelled for more information. Hello and welcome to another episode of Uncancelled where we're covering Pasadena. No, it's not. It's not the Texas Pasadena. I believe it's California Pasadena. I don't know a Pasadena, California accent joining me by the way is a lady who has the same namesake as an oscar-winning act it is francis francis what is going on first of all what's your podcast what do you want to plug what have you got to say thank you so much for having me on brandon i'm very excited about your podcast uncancelled and to be on your show I wonder, is that namesake, is that Francis McDormand? Yes. Yes. Francis Fargo, right? Is yeah, that her Fargo. Name? And also she just, she just won recently for, was it Nom- Nomadland? It could I be. Think. I think she yes, won Yes, I know that. she just won an Academy Award just recently, right? Or she was Yeah, I believe that was for Nomadland. Well, I'm honored to be her namesake because she's an excellent actress And I haven't done any acting, but I have a podcast named Happy Fangirl in which I go through and do a tour of different fandoms that girls are interested in. We have been uh, discussing a lot of Brendan Fraser movies on our podcast lately, but we are actually going to go into the Titanic fandom, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And we are also going to be going through Arrow, the series Arrow. Right. And probably Smallville in the future. And I also cover uh, different horror genres. So it's kind of a broad podcast, but it's really. So this is yeah. what your subject is, is just, just up my alley. And I'm very excited about talking about a fun series from 2001. Yeah. 
Uh, it's funny you mentioned Smallville. I was, I don't know if you've checked it out yet. There's a new series on Amazon Prime about the Jack Reacher books, the novels that the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with those Tom Cruise movies from about 10 years ago where there were two Jack Reacher movies and there were some complaints about the way Jack Reacher is described in the novel is like massive mountain of, and Tom Cruise is obviously what, five, six or something like that. So <laughs> people were a bit upset about this casting. So now with this new series on Amazon Prime, they've actually got the guy that played Aquaman on Smallville, who I can't remember his name. And I, I have seen Smallville and I don't remember him from it, but I will say he's fucking huge. <laughs> yeah, he's like massive. He's like, holy smokes. I'm sure that's the camera angle too. He's only about 6'3, which I guess is not that huge. He looks about seven foot tall. It's insane. So I'm familiar with Smallville. I just wanted, you made me think of that. So I just wanted to mention that. Smallville, also an older series, much like what we're covering today, as I said, Pasadena. The whole show. It is described as Lily McAllister has lived a charismatic, pardon me, has lived a charmed life as part of the most powerful family in the upscale Southern California enclave of Pasadena. All that changes, however, when a murder and cover-up in her own mansion thrusts Lily into a search to unlock her family's long-buried... Now, yeah, this is obviously... You have Lily, the main character, who's played by Alison Lohman, who really blew up after that. I believe she was in another uh, cancelled show this of 2001 that was also... It's called Tucker... I'm not overly familiar with came across it based off those. It really launched her only had bit parts in it. And ironically now has not done anything since 2016, according to her. So I guess she's taking a break. I don't know. Have you heard anything about her? I actually was going to review Drag Me to Hell, which she is in. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah. That's a good same And so name. I tried to reach out to her, but I, I, I didn't get any response on it. But I, I read that she is actually teaching acting now. So oh, wow. she's taking okay. time off and she is teaching acting. But it's unfortunate, though, because she would be a very great actress in all, anything that she does. Um, yeah. Well, she did an excellent job in. Yeah, she was excellent in this, and then of course you had Oleana. You have the one with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, white. And Oleana. then yeah, and then Matchstick Men. That was another big one. And she really, yeah, she was huge for a while, and then kind of dropped off a bit. Which I mean, you know, that's just a Hollywood machine. <laughs> Choose the upspit. You get your five minutes, and then you're done. Everybody, everybody has their time in the sun. I guess. But the cast also is some pretty familiar faces, some pretty popular TV, top TV talent. Dana Delaney, who is popular from, what's that show? Northern Exposure? No, the one with the the Vietnam hospital, um, China Beach, China Beach. And of course, she's been in several films. Uh, Martin Donovan, who I can't specifically name what he's been in. But you immediately know his face. And you go, he's one of those, that guy. 
actually looking him up, he's actually just appeared in Tenet in the new Christopher Nolan movie. Which I saw and should have known that, but I don't remember seeing his face in it. Uh, you also have Bal Balthazar Getty, who plays, uh, of course, Martin Donovan and Dana Delaney play Lily's parents. Balthazar Getty plays Uncle? Uh, he plays yes. Nate. Yes, Nate yeah. Geely. Yeah, the uncle who's obviously the black, who is evidently the black sheep of the family. He's never had a job, parties a lot, does whatever. It's kind of irreverent, doesn't take, doesn't take life seriously, doesn't take his own life seriously. Just exists, more or less. Uh, you also have Nicole Peggy. Is that correctly? I've never heard her familiar with her, if I pronounce that correctly. She's been in plenty of things. Obviously, she plays Lily's best friend in this. Jenny Bradbury is her character name. A cat, like, the younger actors went on to be fairly su successful, and the, obviously, the parents and the older uh, generation in this were already very successful actors. You even have Philip Baker Hall. Nice addition to round out the cast. He plays the grandfather, who is a quite the business type. Well, first of all, what did you think of this cast? I really liked the cast. They were very familiar to me, for the most part. Alison Lohman, of course, was very familiar to me. Martin Donovan, I've seen him in so many different things. He's one of those, as you said, he's one of those actors that you're like, I know you, but I don't know who you are. Um, yes. Yeah, he's one of those. Dana Delaney, of course, is a classic actress very good actress. She plays the innocent girl next door, but can also uh, be very conniving as well. She plays a very conniving person well as well as well. Yeah. And I, uh, Mark Valley, I remember him from Days of Our Lives. He played Jack oh, on Days yes. of Our Lives, and he's been in a lot, a lot of different things. I thought Nicole, I think it's Padgy, but I'm not sure. She played Jenny Bradbury, and I thought she did a very good job. She was kind of comic relief in this in this production. And Baltazar Getty. Now, this this series, because he's one of the Getty family, uh, oil tycoons, he seems great to play uh, the um, uncle, the uh, drug-addicted uncle. So I thought he did a very good Yeah, he was well cast. Uh, yeah, this was all a well-cast series. They all fit the role very well. They just all had faces matched kind of their personality. Everyone makes kind of a prejudgment when they initially see a person. The person strikes me as this and that, and it's not always accurate. More times than not, it isn't. But obviously with characters and the ability to write however you see it, this was perfect casting for every character that was in it. It's exactly who you would think would act a, a certain way and has a certain personality. It matches their face. If I had to select people, I couldn't think of anyone else that I would pick over this cast. As you said, Balthazar Getty, of course, yeah, in real life, he, you know, the rich oil tycoon family. He plays a rich, you know, rich boy who is a black sheep. He's troubled, I guess. Yeah, you said drug addicted. Uh, he obviously loves to party and loose women and etc. Whatever they, <laughs> whatever you can imagine a rich type playboy would do. And the rest are kind of all business savvy and very secretive and, and royal almost. They have a 
it's almost a royal family. It's very rich, aristocraty. Um, yeah, I the show, as I said, it immediately gave off a vibe of it set out what it said to do like you, that well ignoring what immediately happens you do get a vibe of that they're all a rich family with secret behind the scenes there's a lot of politics and a lot of cover up uh, mystery it sets off as a real mystery which when i read that it was a soap opera i was like oh this might be a bit cheesy but it really did it well at establishing a mystery and a drama type. Is that how you felt, or did you get more of a soap opera? Well, it did give off a little bit of a soap opera vibe. It it kind of had some elements like Dynasty or Falcon Crest or Dallas in terms of it being a rich family with more money than sense and very conniving and a lot of intrigue. It had kind of a, a feel that it was sort of nighttime soap, but also maybe a little bit of Melrose Place thrown in there too. So it had that kind of a feel to me. That's how I kind of interpreted the, the series. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's a soap opera with like some pulp. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a pulpy vibe. There's a lot going on. There is a lot of high drama, which is a soap opera. First of all, I gave this about an eight- if That's you could exactly rate it. what I rated it. It's an 8 out of 10. Yeah, for overall and for both, actually both episodes as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's great. Uh, obviously, as most TV shows go, this was no different. It's The first episode is Pilot. First episode. Lily McAllister is alone at her family's Pasadena mansion one night. She is confronted by a crazy stranger. She escapes to the bathroom. There's a gunshot. The man is presumed to be mentally unstable and committed suicide. So yeah, that's basically the first five or so minutes where there's a lot of franticness, especially when when she runs downstairs to investigate and she thinks it's her brother and then she finds out it's this crazy guy who broke in, uh, presumed crazy. And so he kind of grabs her and shakes her and he screams something about where did they put her? And then she just screams and I think she grabs a fireplace object uh, and she swings it at him and uh, knocks him down. Then she runs in this room and it has a mirrored door. And obviously them being a rich family, she can't escape through the window because they're barred from the outside. So nobody in, nobody out. And so this mirrored door, as he's trying to get in, it keeps shaking up and down. And with the camera, the camera is kind of shaking frantically. And there's some kind of certainly jarring movements that I, I didn't expect. And some, I felt, I felt some worked and some were just a little too experimental. I just made it kind of hard for me to follow. Actually, it reminded me... I immediately got a Twin Peaks vibe. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. Yeah, I watched it a long time ago, but I kind of forget about it a little. Yeah, there's uh, they have some of those moments where there's, uh, especially with Bob the Killer, where they have a bit of a shaky, erratic camera movements happening and this jolted. 
And then I I found out that Diane Keaton directed this pilot, and she also directed an episode of Twin Peaks. So that all makes sense because they're probably she took the exact movement she did in that and just did it here. So it wasn't as if it was a copycat. It was the exact same person doing the exact same thing. That's so interesting because I I know she, I knew she directed the pilot episode, but I had no idea she directed any Twin Peaks episode. So that's pretty. Yeah, I just happened to come across that. It was it had me thinking Twin Peaks, and I was just curious when I saw that Diane Keaton directed this. I was just curious what else she had directed and whether this was her first time. And then, yeah, obviously, this was, I think this was one of the, I can't remember, but it was one of the later things she directed. She's obviously directed stuff before this, and it happened to be that she was listed as directing an episode of Twin Peaks, which is very, uh, I would not put Diane Keaton and Twin Peaks together. (laughs) I certainly. Me either. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know anyone that that is the furthest thing from my mind. Diane Keaton goes together like, I don't know, toothpaste and orange juice. So you rated this an 8 out of 10. And obviously, as we've now jumped forward, so the guy offs himself. Uh, First of all, did you have a, a feeling that it was the brother that had came, that either got shot or that shot him? When I heard the gunshot, I thought that he had actually killed himself. And yeah, the reason why is because he looked so distraught looking. And so he was very disturbed. Yeah. So I, I kind of thought that I, I, I didn't even think about the possibility that somebody else had shot him. I just remember that she initially came down because she thought her brother was making. And then I thought that there was sort of a panic looked on her face as the gun rang off. And I thought maybe for a split second, it looked. I thought she was maybe concerned that her brother did it. I, I would be. I guess I would be in that situation concerned that if I couldn't find my sibling who I knew was in the house or who I assumed was in the house, mm-hmm. that I would. And I heard a gunshot. That I would be concerned it was them. But yeah, we find out again. You were right that it is distraught man. And so then the police are pulling up as the parents get home and we obviously get um, them not knowing who this guy is, just a typical escaped mental patient who happened to come across their house. As we find out is not exactly the case. Uh, Yeah, what are your overall opinions of this episode? I liked it. I liked it because I think I thought it did a really good job of introducing all the characters that were going to come um, to, that were going to be known in the series. It explains also the the family dynamic is explained really well in this um, that they're rich and that they're untouchable because they own the Seattle. I guess it's the equivalent of the Seattle Times, but in this universe, it's called the Seattle Sun, and they own so much of not Seattle. Los Angeles. I think I said Los, uh, Seattle. Uh, they own the uh, Los Angeles Sun, which is the equivalent of the Los Angeles Times. Uh, and they are untouchable. They are so rich that they own the senators, they own the mayor, they own 
the court system. They can, you get the they feeling. They run the town. Yeah. Yeah. They run the town. And you, and you also, they are very shallow people. Um, in the first episode, you find out about the grandmother. She really only cares about the rug or the carpet in in the house. They're yeah. very much um, into um, uh, keeping up appearances. And I also thought that the first episode had a very good use of foreshadowing. Because when they're taking the family pick in the first episode, Lily McAllister, she says, this is going to be the last time that the family is all going to be together to be photographed. So I thought, wow, it really drums up the suspense that's going to be coming. All of the suspense um, regarding what's going to happen. So I thought the first episode, it was kind of fun. It was kind of interesting. And I I really enjoyed the first episode. From watching it, I was like, this is going to be a good series. Yeah, I felt I felt similarly. I definitely felt it. Certainly, as you touched on the the last uh, scene we see with the photograph, and she says, this is the last time we family portrait before the murder and the cover up and the secrets and whatever else she said that sounded a lot better when she said it than I just. Said. <laughs> uh, yeah, it set a strong miss. It's really, as you said, the foreshadowing, and it set a strong tone for mystery and suspense. The series, and we get, we also get a good idea, uh, as you said, also of the character, and that the fa- Lily's father, Will McAllister, he is having an extramarital affair at the office, and he he's just. He's into the family by marriage because he's married to Dana, the daughter of Philip Baker Hall, who really, as you said, is the head of the family and sort of runs the entire town. The papers, his the government, the mayor, the police, everything, the media, it all comes to him. Uh, before anything is dealt with, it's all he runs. King, he's king, king of the town. We see that the scene in the limo, in the back of the limo, or in the back of his car, and he that he has will. He confronts him about messing around, as obviously the whole family finds out because they, I guess, the brother of. Dana Delaney's character has, who is also competing, him and Will are directly competing to take over for Philip Baker Hall as owner, the CEO of the newspaper. So they're, I wouldn't say they're necessarily digging up dirt on each other, but they're both kind of seedy people and they kind of are willing to step on each other. Certainly a rivalry there. And so Philip Baker Hall pulls Will into the back of the car and he discusses how doesn't think that the brother whose name I'm blanking on has the the gall, he has the, the it factor needed to run, to take over for him and run the paper. And he thinks Will has it, but he needs him. He just basically tells him that he needs him to, if he's going to screw around to get a prostitute and be more discreet about things. I Which thought that was really awesome. shows to me, as I'm sure you're going to say, that <laughs> he cares more about his business and his legacy, the actual family, considering that that's not his son, his daughter, who's having her marriage feelings really betrayed. That. So it really gives you a good idea of these CDs, does it not? 
Yeah, it sure does because you know that um, the brother is named Robert Greeley, and he um, it almost appears at first that he's looking out for his sister by taking those photographs. But as you said, Brandon, he is actually not doing that for her good. He's doing it for his own good. And so in a way he's protecting her, but he's not doing that on purpose to protect her, but because he wants to force out Will out of the paper. Like he wants to make sure that he's not involved. So, and when the uh, patriarch of the family I think his name is in the movie or in the series. Um, I believe so. Yes. Baker Hall. Um, when he has Will in the car, you would think, oh, well, he cares about about his daughter, and he's not operating on that um, in that way. Um, so I think it really shows that these people are psychopaths, which is actually pretty common in business people, especially when they reach the. CEO status or on that level of high business class people, they have psychopathic tendencies in which they actually don't have any feelings for other people. Now, actually, I have to say that's not extremely common in business people, but in terms of comparing the average population, you're going to find certain professions that have more of an incidence of psychopathy and CEOs are, are noted for that. So... I thought that was pretty interesting. I, f- I found exactly what you found. Yeah, absolutely. They're all seedy and it runs in the family. Certainly is a prime example of exactly the they are. By the way, as a quick aside, you couldn't remember the character name and neither could I for Philip Baker Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was George and I happened to look up Philip Baker Hall to see that he actually still is alive and is turning 92 this year. Oh, wow. 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 <laughs> yeah. I thought he might have passed on a few years ago because he's been playing the 30, 40 years. I don't know. I always remember him from Hard Eight, the Paul Thomas and, and where it was kind of a re- career. Older than that. Uh, yeah, Philip Baker Hall. Uh, excellent in this and 92. So keep going. I don't think he's <laughs> acting. And if he decides to come back, he's always. Very excellent, just like he's excellent. I felt he really commanded kind of a masterclass of that. Uh, we are introduced to, of course, we talk about the the suicide of the crazy man that kind of launches Lily into looking in, but really, it's the boy that she meets at school that evidently he knows about her family. He's read. He's well read. For whatever reason, I guess he came. Well, we're not sh- exactly sure his intentions, are we? Like, there's a bit of of did he come? What did he come here for? And why does he know so much about the McAllister? Because he's there on scholarship. Like, he's selected to uh, attend the college, Pasadena College or University, right? And he's there on scholarship, and he obviously. Uh, Starts a bit of beef with Lily and then uh, approaches her later, kind of apologizes. Well, doesn't apologize, just kind of throws a a huge binder of papers, just, I guess, all on her family. I'm not exactly sure what that was. I'm going to assume he compiled his own research. Is that what we're led to believe? Yeah, I thought that. Like, he has a big bone to pick with the family. He is very much... He, he ha- is... Um, 
he seems like he's he's kind of got social justice warrior qualities to him. He's very much yeah. against income inequality and feels that anybody who has amassed a large amount of money has ill-begotten gains. Like they they do not deserve what they have. And he has a particular interest in the um in the Greeley family wondering how did they get their their uh, their wealth and he has done a lot of research on it and he just kind of throws it out at her and she takes it a lot better than i would probably if somebody was trashing my family maybe in the back of her mind she kind of has some questions herself but uh yeah you there is an, an air of mystery though as to why is this guy so interested in her family yeah, there's certainly a, a mystery of of that for sure. Uh, by the way, I'm saying McAllister. You are saying Greeley. So we, the McAllisters are just Will's last name. Uh, Dana Delaney's character married him. We have Lily, the mother and father of Lily, so McAllister, but. Dana Delaney, her maiden name is Greeley, and so in her family, Philip Baker Hall, the uncle played the brother, they're all Greeley. It is a Greeley family, but they're McAllister. That might lead to some confusion, so just wanted to sort that out. The boy kind of becomes a, a love interest for Lily. He kind of becomes a bit involved in So we're not sure exactly his intentions, as you said. But he's very good with the internet, and so Lily has, uh, randomly one night, she decides to find his house and break in, sort of, not break in, but tap on the wind, asks if she'll help him, if he'll help her look into who the crazy man was that killed himself in her house, if she can, uh, learn more and figure out who this guy was it wasn't so random that he broke in and that he might just know her parents her entire family even though they deny it anytime she presses on about who that was and you kind of you see that i want to say you see that very specifically when she's talking to will her dad and he's like oh i'll never let anyone hurt you and then she asks who that man was, and he kind of looks off to the side, very like he very telling of a lie. And so, Your guess is as good as mine. I thought that was a very excellent, subtle piece of acting by Martin Donovan, and I thought that was a really. There's a lot of scenes in here that uh, really add to the mystery, and there's a lot of subtlety. Yeah, very well acted, I would say. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's it's very apparent that this family has a lot of secrets. And even though, as 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 uh, Martin Donovan's character says, even though he they talk a lot, um, he says, "Well, we talk all the time." But she, as uh, Allison Lohman's character, then says, "But we don't really talk about anything important." So yeah. there is a lot of unspoken things in this family. There's a lot of secrets. There's a, an air of mystery about everything, and everything is swept under the rug, which is kind of a funny thing because there's a scene about rugs in this movie or carpets, but everything is like swept under the carpet in this in in this family. So I thought that was like some, some good acting. Yeah, there. that's a very good point. Yeah, the scene where the grandmother 
who Dana Delaney's character's mother says to Dana Delaney character that the chair does not match the carpet. Something needs to go, which I was expecting her to rip up the carpet. Ultimately, she has <laughs> meltdown and throws the chairs all over the place. Yeah, that was, was my favorite part of of season of the of the first episode. Actually, was the meltdown because who doesn't enjoy watching a really rich, spoiled brat um, have a temper tantrum over their mommy issues? Yeah, really. Like, yeah, that's very actors. Yeah, big Harris entitled temper tantrum, and then she. I thought she was also. Having a bit of a meltdown, in fact, she was kind of now questioning or perhaps that's not the time that it has been. Well, I guess since they've been together, she's been together with Will, I guess there's been perhaps some more shaky moments. And this was just yet another thing that she had to try to sweep under the rug. Right. <laughs> uh, which I guess does kind of make sense if you think about the very ending of this series but that is getting ahead of things but not too ahead as i think we're about ready to jump into the final episode called don't it always seem to go i don't know if that's gonna have to guess that that is a reference to big yellow taxi by Joni mitchell also the famous cover uh by counting crows which Probably came out in the 90s or around this time. Makes sense that it's not so coincidental. Uh, this, of course, has no plot on IMDb, so... Last episode. Really what happens is, my best to explain it, we come full circle. Uh, the big secret comes to surface as the murder cover-up. They covered up that crazy guy in the first episode as we do find out that he is actually went to school with lily's mother played by dana delaney they know each other that his i'm not exactly sure there were a bunch of murders that happened very evidently i don't think we see any single one but i Getting a bit confused about who was what and yeah, um, who just is it, got Are we able to put spoilers in at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. because uh, the the first murder is for Meredith. Meredith, um, she actually gets murdered by Dana Delaney's character, right, uh, Catherine. Yeah. And the reason why Dana Delaney's character Catherine murders her is because. Dana, uh, Catherine, Catherine McAllister, she was molested by her father, uh, the patriarch of the family, played by... Philip Baker Hall. That's right. So he molests um, uh, Catherine McAllister. And Meredith, her friend Meredith, finds that out. And Meredith is saying, I'm going to go to the authorities. But Catherine wants it swept under the rug. And in order to keep her quiet, she murders Meredith. So Meredith basically gets murdered for doing a good deed. Yeah, right. You have to hide the seedy underbelly of the family, of course. That's right. And then there's another murder. There's another murder, and that's the murder of Tom, who is Henry's brother. And Henry being the love interest boy at school of Lily. Yeah. So Tom gets murdered by accident by Robert... Uh, is it McAllister or Greeley? Uh, I think It'd it's Greeley. 
Yeah, yeah, Greeley. You're right. So, um, yeah, he gets hard to um, follow. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's a lot of um, um, there's a lot of McAllisters and Greeleys in this in this series, but he gets murdered by accident. By so those are the two murders. Was there not a third one? I thought I I guess maybe I got confused, but I thought maybe doing that, and I got just got the two mixed up and then interpreted it the thirds. Well, it is a little complicated, and that's one of the things with this series is that it is a little complicated to follow because there's a lot of accusations going back and forth. So at first, Robert gets accused of murdering – or they think Robert killed Meredith, but also Robert also killed Henry – no, not Henry, um, Tom. And so it's a little confusing to try to remember who killed who. Yeah, so, there's uh, Agatha Christie who done it. <laughs> that's right. So by the end, we know that Catherine killed Meredith, and that Robert. We know that Robert killed, and he even admitted it that he killed um, Tom. Yes, we do know that. And in final scene, of course, uh, Lily is ready. To, we only find that out because uh, Catherine, uh, played by Dana Delaney, uh, is confronted by lily saying that she knows she talked to the grandmother and she corroborated after after lily confronted robert that robert killed meredith and that she's going to the police because she has it on even though he i mean all he did was nod i suppose i didn't see her tape the conversation with the grandmother but i'm assuming she did and so she has a corroboration confirmation that that her uncle is guilty and that should pay and there goes the whole family she's about to blow the roof off and then Catherine says wait that's not what happened and she explains that of course as you touched on she killed meredith and she says uh which is true to life you know you you're born into a family. You can't pick it. You have to make peace like I did. Like everyone has kind of made things under the rug and try to carry on and, and big smile, big fake smiles and fur coats. The type of <laughs> error, <laughs> the type of rich lifestyle that they live and they don't want to tarnish their public image or anything like that. So the final scene is Lily rejoining the family at dinner, putting on her best dress ditching henry who is has really nothing left live for in pasadena must leave which is actually a great scene uh but when he breaks in uses robert of murdering his brother tom uh and philip baker hall has drag him in that great scene of him as we've touched on saying i own this town i'm heir the paper's mine uh, everything runs through if you're hoping for what did you come here looking for? And Henry says a family. And he's like, well, suppose you found a family, but not the one you were looking for. And then he says, if you came here for the truth, you're not getting that either. Then he kind of shuts down and crushes the guy's fantasies he had. And There's nothing for you here and leave now before, you know, something bad happens to you. Sorry about your brother. Doesn't mean he's coming back and, you best leave now too, unless, <laughs> you know, be around anymore. Don't be around anymore or you won't be around anymore is essentially what he says, which I thought was one of the best 
intense, very well done, very well acted, intense, dramatic, suspenseful. Maybe the best scene for me was that uh, that was a very key moment. And of course, we then see at the end that Henry is <laughs> then told by Nicole Peggy's character that Lily is not coming and best of luck to him. That's it for Pasadena. I thought those were key moments. Well, I thought my favorite part of episode number two was when Robert was telling Beth, who is Lily's aunt, um, she, he's telling her that she should be happy that he has killed Tom because she's an artist. And so far, her life has been really good. And in order for you to get credibility as an artist, you have to have adversity. And so he has created the adversity for her that she needs to be legitimized as an artist. And I thought to myself, wow, is that ever taking lemons and making lemonade? That is just crazy. So I was thinking, does he want to go kill another one of her boyfriends so she can have more adversity so she can even be a better artist? Like we're like... It's it's crazy how that guy spins that. Yeah, he's very manipulative, very, uh, no real remorse. Yeah, they're all, yeah, truly a, a sociopath, a psychopath. A really, as we've said with all these characters, they so rich and powerful. They all have their darkness and their evilness, and they all look out for, I guess, their family, or maybe they just don't want they're all accountable at the point. So if one goes down, they all go down. So really family or not, they're, they're kind of have to stick together, right? Yeah, they There's do. No they choice. all count on each other to prop each other up so that they can be invincible against the rest of society because they are, there is no accountability for that family. So they can do anything they want and they can get away with it. But the only way that works is if they have the support of each other. Yeah, one goes down, they all go down, but if they all prop each other up and they keep sweeping things under the rug, then they carry on living their lives, kind of consequence-free. Kind of surprising that none of them are have complete breakdowns. We do see, as we touched on, uh, Catherine has home, the living room, chair, destroy, smash shit scene. But otherwise... There's not too much of any freakouts or breakdowns, any sort of weakness, I guess you'd say. They all kind of just carry on. Maybe in other episodes there might be more, but of of the two we saw, I can't think of any other scene where any sort of displays of weakness of that type or humanity, I guess. There's not a lot of humanity in here. I think that they were became more psychopathic as the time, as, as time went on. Catherine's character really did change throughout the series. I did some Googling about some of the episodes that we didn't watch. And I know that she has an affair with a priest played by Nathan Fillion as well. And so at the beginning, yeah, the, on the, in the pilot, she acts very upset that she is being cheated on, but throughout the series, she starts cheating herself And then she starts um, acting out and becomes much more conniving as time goes on. 
And so I think that the most humanity you will find in these people is in the pilot episode. Yeah. The humanity goes out the window as the pilot progresses. That's true. Yeah. 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 I guess the most human, the most human part of the whole series is uh, directly after the crazy guy commits suicide. We see that the McAllister parents are coming home from, I guess, a night out, a a dinner date, perhaps. And that's really the most human, natural thing we see. Otherwise, it's all psychotic, psychopath murders and and lies and deceit, debauchery and everything that is bad about humanity is bad about rich people it's not foreshadowing but it is really a glimpse of this is about as normal as it gets is a night out on occasion but yeah right. and it was uh, for a uh, charity benefit that Catherine had organized but even when she does a charity benefit it's all for appearances so yeah, they do the- give the appearance to the outside world of caring but they actually do not really about other people yeah sums up the geely McAllister family yeah which is interesting when you consider that uh will is seedy himself as he's having the extramarital affair well that a you can make the case that it's as we see the grandfather is probably the most played by philip baker hall is probably the most seedy of them all it runs mm-hmm. in the family um, so you could say, yeah, that it runs in the family and that it's, it's in their bloodline and that's who they are. But the case with Will is kind of different because he married into the family. He's not naturally born. So you can't make the case that this is blood. Well, it might so, be that, it might be that the type of person who marries into that family is lustful of money and so maybe that's maybe it just selects for a certain type of person to become part of that yeah that's very true he also explained why they don't um shun him yeah yeah when in the first episode where as we touched on robert shows catherine the photos of the affair that will is having Mm -hmm. and then says i'll make this go away and you think he's going to confront Will, but instead he goes to the lady in the office Will is having the affair with and says, pack your bags, get the hell out of here. Yeah. Uh, but that's a very intense scene also where he's like, have sex with me now. Oh, uh, right. That's all you seem good at. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, what are you talking about? Well, that's what you're freaking doing. And, you know, so do this. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's also in the last episode where he's having a, an office fling or whatever and then he's like you're a really great person and i just not and she's right. like oh what's wrong i think we should quit while we're ahead but if you want to have casual sex at any point i'm always here <laughs> it's like oh my gosh this guy yeah he's a lecherous person that's for sure yeah just not an very, absolute very good qualities in a, in a in a in a person so she would be better off without him yeah certainly would be but uh yeah, I'm very surprised they don't shun Will out because he's just related by marriage. And yeah, it seems like they would only want to greedily, greedily to be part of the business to keep the family name going. But 
it is quite a big thing that they're considering a McAllister, somebody, a man named McAllister to take over. That must mean that they have very big doubts about yeah. Robert. Uh, that's what we get a good, a good idea of from seeing Baker Hall and Martin Donovan in the back of the car. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's pretty much why he's being, I guess. And I guess grandchildren, too. There's two grandchildren involved that, I guess, Philip Baker Hall is the one who makes all the calls. And then Will is part of the family, for better or worse. So, whether by marriage or by blood, you, you're a Greeley. Best scene. Best scene. Well, my 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 favorite scenes were like what uh, when, as I said the the carpet scene where she starts throwing a temper tantrum over having to to reupholster the chairs. She starts throwing things around because it's it's Schoidenfreud. I think that's the word for it for, uh, to see rich people have their little mommy issues and throw little <laughs> temper tantrums. And then in the second uh, in the uh, final episode. My favorite part was when Robert was saying to uh, Beth that she should be happy because she, he's giving her some adversity so that she can have credibility as a as a starving artist. Yeah, that's insanely psychotic. Just that's very psychotic. That's yeah, crazy. that's unfathomable. <laughs> you could do anything to anybody and just say, "Well, I'm giving you some I'm building yeah, your character." Like this is good for you. To you. <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah. no no accountability. No accountability. How about you? What's your favorite uh, scene? I had the the just yeah, the franticness of the break in. The the that I didn't expect it to take off like that. Uh, I thought for a split second I was like, Oh shit, she's he's gonna break in and he's gonna like kill her or she's gonna get badly hurt. He's gonna mm-hmm. break through this door. Uh, and then the gunshot went off and I was like, oh, did he shoot himself? Did the brother get shot? What the heck happened? And the franticness of all of that, I I just really, I didn't know anything going into this. I was completely blank about this. I had no idea about the series. I wanted to keep, uh, I wanted to keep as ignorant as possible to so that immediately happening like that really it really surprised me and i was really like wow yeah it was thrilling it was i didn't know what was going to happen next i didn't know yeah what was going to happen with this guy what the deal was where it was going to head where it really captivated me and and kept me engaged and uh, the mystery taking off from there it really set the tone for, and I enjoyed the yeah. rest of the Yeah, wow, that is cool. cool. Too bad it got yeah. canceled. Yeah, I would have liked to see the <laughs> worst scene. Worst scene. I had Henry crying at the end. I just thought that was tacky. I thought, I understand him being kind of sad. But I was like, oh, this guy crying and like compared to where he was, you know, kind of all pushy and, and kind of like, oh, you're McAllister when he f- we first get introduced first episode. He's like, I know who you like, pr- or whatever you, helps you sleep at night, princess. And he's got this cocky brashness. <laughs> you know, he kind of, 
is seen here crying at the end, which I guess speaks to that it was all kind of a front. And, and I guess he had a lot of trauma too, but I thought the tears were for the camera and to add a bit of drama and a soap opera. And I felt it. What about you for your worst scene? Yeah. Well, my worst scenes, I would say, well, one of them is when Henry explains, when Lily breaks into Henry's place, she comes through his window because she wants um, answers about the suicide that happened in her house. And she sees that on Henry's walls, there's there's all of these pictures of houses and some of them have X's through them. And she says, she sees her own house on his wall. And she says, why is there an X through my house? And he's explaining that it's none of her business. Now, if I went into somebody's house and they had like a picture of my house and there was an X through it, I would want answers. And to be told that it's none of my business, I'd be like, what the hell? So I would say that that is like, she takes it okay, but I'd be like, what is going on here? Um, because it's almost, it, it almost seems like a serial killer kind of thing to do. Yeah. So I thought that was a little bit unrealistic that, um, and freaky that someone would have tons of pictures of your, of your, of people's houses. And so I thought that was unrealistic that she would take that as an answer. And then also my, the worst scene in the last episode, I thought that it was a little bit unrealistic that Lily would have taken the news about her mother murdering Meredith um, so well. She took it so well. And she seemed like she was just happy that she found the truth. And she didn't seem upset enough about that situation. The fact that her grandfather is like a child molester and that her mother killed somebody for um, killed somebody for wanting to say that her, her grandfather was a child molester. She just took that news much better than I can see myself taking. So I thought that was Lula. Yeah, that's that's compared to what lengths she goes to to kind of find out the truth. I guess there is sort of comfort in that she finally finds it out and she can breathe a sigh of relief. Also, certainly she was ready to throw her uncle under the bus too much but there is sort of if you got this but to me there's a bit of an ink at the end when she goes to rejoin the family for dinner that she might just be putting on a bit of a show and she hasn't completely made up her mind maybe she did record the conversation with her mother it was like maybe Mm -hmm. she does have a secret and maybe she was only pretending to uh, take the news as well as she but yeah, that could be the that case. That could be the case, but also, yeah, you are right that she absolutely should have been more distraught either way. I, yeah. Right. That's what I thought. I thought it was unrealistic. Yeah, she it was reacted. a little unrealistic, and that's the only thing to think of that would uh, justify that, convey, but that's a yeah. deep subtext that's hard to get across. Unintentionally hilarious thing. Unintentionally hilarious, a.k.a. it's so funny I forgot to laugh. Well, this is basically not about the characters themselves, but the actor. What I thought was unintentionally hilarious is that Baltazar Getty was cast in this kind of accidentally. He is the great-grandson of J. Paul, of the oil ty- tycoon J. Paul Getty, and 
it seems crazy that he would be cast in something in which he plays kind of his himself. Um, Yeah. He's kind of playing a character that mirrors his own situation as being a great grandson of an oil tycoon. Well, this is a great, uh, this is, he is the um, nephew of the uh, newspaper tycoon. Uh, Actually, I think they got their, uh, the Greeley's got their money originally from railroad though, from the railroad. But it seems kind of crazy that he's playing somebody who is basically himself. And I saw in an article, he says, this is a quote from him, you know, I'm really naive. I went into it and I didn't even think, well, this is about a rich family. It didn't even occur to me until like a couple of weeks into shooting the plot. Then I was like, oh, no, shit. And so... (laughs) So he was like he 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 accepted the job without actually even knowing what he was going to do. That's in so this series. typical of like the so, character he plays too. That's true. That's true because he's a very irresponsible guy. He's always in trouble. He's got hookers coming to his boarding school, and he's always getting kicked out of uh, university. So yeah. So anyway, I thought that was unintentionally Friggin- hilarious. My goodness. He had no I didn't know this was about that. What? They gave you a script and everything. Don't you have right. like an agent that explains to you the role and everything? That's right. That's right. I mean they gotta get your agent, your uh Tom. Get Tom to get on the yeah. case, right? <laughs> yeah, they gotta get Tom on the case. Yeah, Tom is Tom's the yeah. greatest. Shout out to producer Tom. Uh, he's <laughs> always on top of that. He was not involved. Pulses are getting. Get Tom. Call Tom Cash. Wow. I'm sure you've learned. I hope he's learned from that experience since that uh, to research his so. roles. Uh, yes. Would you watch the rest? Or are you planning to? Well, it's a very difficult series to get your, your hands on. As I think Tom found out, he was trying to send me the links and it took a while because I think it's mostly on YouTube and it's dubbed yes, in Russian. For whatever strange reason. So, but now this series is a little dated. But if it if we were back in 2001, um, it would be a more entertaining series. Although when it was released, it was released right after 9-11. And I think that's why they pretty much scrapped the series because people were not interested after 9-11 in watching something so dark yeah. like this series. Yeah, so the, the, the fact that 9-11 happened really um, was the nail in the coffin for this. I was tempted after the first episode that I, I felt like I would miss some things. And I felt like there were going to be a lot of twists. And I was tempted to just go and watch the second episode, which I didn't do yeah. because I'd be breaking my own rules. And I obviously <laughs> it's fine. Um, I think uh, yeah. there are some episodes on Daily Motion. It's not the first episode, the fifth episode. <laughs> and that's all I know. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, because of how hard it is to find, uh, if you can try, well, you can buy the DVD that's available online if you really want to see this series. I suppose now that I have access to it, I could up the first since 10th episode to Daily Motion, so I could get 1, 5, and 10 at the very least. Uh, but for me, I will probably leave this to fade in my memory and not watch the rating. yeah i would if it was back in two, like if it was back in like the early 2000s i would watch the whole series but now it just kind of feels dated it's 
not really that interesting. Yeah, it's a little too, yeah, that's what happens with these shows. They're very of the time. So uncanceled, it's a grub. Ain't no more gonna die. for station identification. 10% of nothingness. Let me do the math here. Nothing and then nothing. Not satisfied? Head on over to Uncancelled on Patreon. For prices as low as $2.99 a month, you'll get early access to each and every episode this season, as well as outtakes and bonus content. That's patreon.com slash uncancelled. it's a crumb. Ain't no more gonna die. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Wait a minute. Throw some Ozen Oz in there. What's your hurry? <laughs>